Welcome in to the OMR Podcast International, where we go inside the minds of some of the biggest players in the digital and tech space. My name is Scott Peterson, and I'm a digital marketing editor at OMR. Today, I am joined by founder and CEO of So Rare, Nicholas Julia. For a little bit of context, So Rare is a rapidly growing fantasy football company based in France that also has official partnerships with the biggest soccer clubs and leagues in the world. So Rare also operates in a fascinating space, the world of NFTs, which stands for non-fungible tokens. By combining fantasy football with these NFT collectibles, So Rare is one of the few players in the space to add an element of utility to NFTs, meaning engagement is high and most users come and stay for the game. As is often the case, however, rare collectible items attract the attention of professional investors who shell out insane amounts of cash on digital assets. One example, late last year, a unique so rare card of Brazilian football star Neymar was sold on a secondary peer-to-peer platform for over $60,000. But at its heart, so rare is a game whose primary purpose is providing its community with the best gaming experience it can. So when I sat down with Nicholas, I was excited to have the opportunity to ask him all about the things that make so rare such a fascinating platform. From the NFTs, to the professional investors, to the game itself, and the partnerships with the clubs around the world. We talked about all of those topics and more, which you can hear in the Omar Podcast International right now. Well, I am thrilled to be joined by co-founder and CEO of So Rare, Nicholas Julia. Nicholas, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to, to have this conversation with you. Yeah, same goes for me. Um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, you are the CEO of a very fascinating company in a very exciting space. Um, and I think the most obvious place, the best place to start is the most obvious one. And that is what is so rare? Yeah, so um, I think you can you can think about Sorel as a new kind of football game. Um, it's a mix between uh, a collectible game and a fantasy game. So basically, you need to own uh, um, a collectible to play a fantasy game. So um, fantasy game is, you know, this kind of games where you have uh, an impact on on the real world. So the performance of the player on the pitch impacts your performance uh, as a gamer. So that's the very high level overview of the product. Okay. Um, And you launched in 2018, is that correct? Yeah, we incorporated the company end of uh, 2018 and we launched the the, the public beta. It was December 19. Okay. And how... How big are you now um, in terms of users? Uh, just to give a little context to the listeners, uh, users, maybe um, uh, employees. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's, uh, it's it's still early. We are still in, in public beta. We have uh, uh, roughly uh, 4,000 paying users. Uh, and uh, in January, uh, so last month, we made uh, $4 million uh, in sales during the single months of January. So there's a lot of uh, interest and uh, an engagement around this uh, blockchain cards uh, and uh, in terms of employees it's uh, still early too like we are a team of 12 people now uh, I'm gonna grow to 30 people wow. by the end of the year but uh, yeah it's, uh, it's uh, yeah the beginning hopefully of, uh, of a big journey 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, where are you primarily active? Um, where is Silver most popular? Yeah, so um, in, in terms of uh, geographical split, uh, it's uh, 20% in the UK, 20% uh, in the US. Then we have 10, 10, 10, uh, France, Germany, uh, and Italy. Uh, so that's the 70%. And then uh, 30% is rest of the world, uh, mainly Russia and Asia. Okay. You're based in France. Yeah. Um, how did how did you get to to so rare to where you are now? What was kind of the genesis of the company? Yeah, the genesis of the company. So uh, with my co-founder Adrien, we are uh, long-term uh, entrepreneurs in the blockchain space. And uh, in late 2017, we saw um, a new technology uh, on top of one of the most popular blockchain called Ethereum. Uh, and mm -hmm. basically this technology enables the creation of scarce uh, digital items. So, uh, you know, like the, the web, as we all know it, you can copy everything. You can copy pictures, documents, and so on. And we were fascinated by that because um, as human beings, we have been collecting things for centuries uh, in the physical space. Uh, and uh, but and now uh, we, we have a technology where you can collect something digital. And so we were like, okay, that, that's that's crazy. What if we bring one of the most uh, coveted brands or IP on top of this technology, which is the image of football players, so that not only it's a scarce digital item, but it's a branded and scarce digital item. So that was step two in our in our thinking, and then we were we were like, okay, that's that that that's uh, super cool collectibles. But what if we bring a usage value? So it's not only a new class of collectibles, but on top of that, you can use them every week in a compelling game. So that's that's a game design element, and so with this three uh, pillars in mind, uh, you know, new technology, uh, the mm -hmm. IP, and the game design, uh, we started building the early prototypes of the game. You you said you were an entrepreneur in the in the crypto space. Yes. Um, so you just kind of you also had a love for football for soccer beforehand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we uh, we are two huge uh, football fans, and so okay. when we saw this technology and you know the fact that now with this technology we can collect digital things, uh, I mean the first idea that came to mind was to apply it to what we love uh, because mm -hmm. you know it was easy to test the idea. Like we we were just building something for us and for our friends, uh, and it's it's always best I think to you know to, it doesn't work every time, right? <laughs> but but sure. uh, but it's it's easier because you have this immediate feedback feedback loop sorry and um, and so so yeah that's uh, that, that that was the beginning and so we are of course you know big gamers um, in the space like FIFA fantasy games sure. and so on so yeah yeah it's always uh, easier to get up and go to work in the morning if you are doing something that you're passionate about exactly find some passions and, yeah yeah then you doesn't feel like you ever have to work a day in your life exactly. Um, so what was the moment where you realized like, okay, this is actually going to, there's potential in this beyond just like for our own interests and for our friends where you saw that, okay, this could turn into a viable business. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think there's uh, two elements. Of course, when we opened in the public beta in December 19, we made 30,000 in sales the first month. So it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really good for our first month. Uh, and then it, it was only like a very strong growth from 30,000, uh, a bit more than one year ago to 4 million last month, last month. Um, but I think more importantly, um, 
yeah, the strongest signal for us is the engagement of the community. The fact that, mm-hmm. you know, there's dozens of side applications, side games, tutorials, podcasts, uh, and, uh, you know, people are spending more than one hour a day, uh, playing the game in the product. Uh, retention rates are crazy high. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, really it's this engagement and this level of passion and love that, you know, like we were like, okay, it's early, but this level of engagement is, is very rare. Uh, in general, like uh, whatever space uh, you, you are looking at. And so um, th- that was really like the thing that we were optimizing for, like trying to, to build something that people love and where they, they like to connect and chat with their friends and so on. So for us, that, that when, when, we, when we saw the, you know, the first uh, side applications, side games, and the fact that people were spending a lot of time around, around that and in the community, that was the... The moment where we're like, okay, maybe we are we're onto something uh, exceptional. Like, so you also have partnerships with with uh, professional leagues and clubs, some of the biggest clubs in the world, from Juventus, Bayern Munich, um, and just past, recently I saw that you guys are branching out into Mexico. Yeah. Um, so, what was what were some of those initial Talks like I can imagine it being very difficult approaching a club of a of a soccer team, which is this very traditional entity that is very uh, um, loath to to alienate or rock the boat, alienate their fans, rock the boat, especially with maybe a technology that they don't really understand. So, how were you able to convince them to to join you? Yeah, it was uh, it was hard at the beginning, as you said. You know, like um, um, the, the football clubs and leagues, they 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 sealed uh, very few partnerships with companies like us over the last decades. Like maybe you have Electronic Arts with FIFA, Panini, Tops. It's like you know, very few companies, um, mm-hmm. and for a good reason because you know one of uh, the biggest assets is is the image of uh, the club of the football players, and they cannot compromise with it, right? And uh, and so when you are like a small company, they you know you don't have the you don't have the credibility, you don't have the history. So why should they take a bet on you? Uh, it's it's a complicated question for them. I think you know from day one we were we were we were convincing enough to tell them um, we are onto something huge uh, we are building an entertainment giant uh, and uh, and uh, we're gonna bring a new we're gonna bring you a new revenue stream even if the figures were modest at the beginning like they, they mm-hmm. you know they saw the growth every month that was crazy and uh, um, and so little by little they were convinced about that so it's a new revenue stream and um, it's um, an opportunity to develop um in your market, so I mentioned US being, you know, one of uh, the most important markets uh, for us at the moment, and it's a it's a clear target market for all uh, European clubs, for instance. So new revenue stream, new markets, uh, and uh, and also a cool product for the fan uh, and uh, taking care of uh, of their brand, their IP, uh, and um, yeah, I, I think uh, there's, there's yeah, there's are like very important elements. For them, and then you know, mm-hmm. once you have the first initial um, couple of clubs and leagues, then it gets you know easier and easier because uh, you, you have this uh, d- this positive um, positive uh, reinsurance reinsurance loop that starts uh, to 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 kick off. So just snowballs exactly. Uh, the proof of concept just kind of snowballs, and people see that it's a legitimate business. There's a lot of potential in this. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, with 
Did you check into or notice any correlation between clubs that maybe have more of an analytics department? Um, I'm thinking of like there's traditional stats. There are new gens, next generation stats like in the U.S. for a lot of different, you know, baseball and football and stuff. And they all have dedicated teams and departments to these analytics and these new um, um, new stats. So, yeah, um, I think it was, so our main, uh, interlocutors, uh, at the clubs are like commercial departments. So they are, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, yeah, most of the time they are you know, not, uh, on, on this kind of topics, not connected, uh, as much to, um, to, to these departments. But I, I think as we, as we grow, uh, we're going to have more and more, uh, conversations with these teams. We are very interested in it because, uh, we we have a fantasy game and we developed uh, you know a, a scoring a scoring uh, algorithm uh, to rank the performance of the player on the pitch, and so yeah, I think there's a lot of synergies to be uh, to, to to find with these teams in the club. So at, at the moment we don't have that much uh, interactions with them, but yeah, hopefully mm -hmm. that's something that we develop in the future. We start having for the top clubs um, like inbound messages from these teams uh, to. You know, mm -hmm. To have initial conversation, it's more like exploration at the moment. So, if I'm not mistaken, the very first partnership you had was with the uh, Jules Pierre League, the top flight in Belgium, correct? Mm. Yes, yes, that's correct. And that's with the entire league, so not just an individual club. Exactly, that was with the entire league, yeah. And how how do these agreements differ? Um, or what is the difference uh, between the agreements uh, with an individual club? And with an entire league, um, are there pros and cons to both? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, like in terms of structure, they are you know quite the same. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a licensing model. So we we give back uh, you know like part of uh, the revenue we generate uh, to to the club or the league. So they they are pretty much the same. Uh, you know, then, then in terms of image rights, you have certain geographies where the league they have you know, all the rights of the club, so you can go directly to the league. Then you have other geographies mm -hmm. where you know they don't have it, so you need to go club by club. So, uh, so you you, you don't really choose, <laughs> you know, all the time. Oh. Uh, and then like the pros and cons to answer your question, maybe like you know if you partner directly with a club, you have access to their social media, to their marketing support, and so on. So uh, you know, to reach, um, to, to reach, uh, new agencies. That's, that's clearly, uh, uh, you know, something that is, that is cool. Um, and then partnering with a full league, um, it, it is best for the, for the product because you have, you know, you have all the, all the players from all the clubs. So, uh, you know, for the communities, um, it's, it's better to have a full coverage. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. And how many partnerships do you have in total right now? So at the moment we have, uh, 140 clubs that are signed um, and um, it's going to be it's going to be 200 in the coming months uh, we have uh, we have this goal to you know to cover all the top 20 leagues uh, in the world of football uh, in the coming mm -hmm. months so so it's coming <laughs> sure okay so then these agreements that you strike up with the clubs or the leagues um, they they give you the rights to create sell and use their players, their names, logos, all that stuff on the cards for your fantasy game. Um, is regarding the game, can you walk me through a little bit how the so rare the gaming aspect of the company works? Yeah, of course. Um, so once you own this uh, blockchain cards that are scarce and that you can trade and so on, 
Um, mm-hmm. You can use them uh, in tournaments. Uh, so twice a week, uh, we have midweek tournaments and end of the week tournaments. You can mm-hmm. use these cards to compose your team. So it's a team of five uh, cards that you can compose. Uh, and uh, based on the performance of the of your player on your your manager, so based on the performance of uh, of your players on the pitch. Uh, you get points and then at the end of the tournament we just add up the points of your cards uh, and you get ranked on the leaderboard and there's leaderboards there's there's our divisions like in the real world so you would start in the fourth division uh mm-hmm. you know with, with, with your cards uh and and then maybe you can progress to the third division and, and compete for better prizes and so on so that's the the basic loop i would say you 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 own account you use it to compose your team you enjoy live games uh and you see your your player scoring points and then uh, at the end of the tournament you see your total points and your position in a given division uh all the players are ranked on a 0 to 100 basis uh so roughly like if you are if your player is 50 it's an average game 60 is mm-hmm. good i mean you you see the you see the model and um, and so yeah just uh, try to select uh the best players uh, on the pitch uh and uh, yeah pr- prove uh, your your football skills <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you have uh, a keeper in any combination of uh, four defenders, midfielders, and strikers to field a team of five, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And depending on how those players actually perform in the given match, um, then you, you grade better. You have more points. Exactly. How does the score... I'm um, sorry, I didn't mean to interruption no 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 no. i i just missed something so you you have uh you have something more so it's it's not just i would say the you know the the performance on the pitch um it, the, mm-hmm. the collectible elements uh you have this collectible too so uh, element two so uh the the skills uh the, the more skills the cards uh the higher division you can enter so if you play with very limited edition cards uh you can you know you can play in higher divisions right so uh mm-hmm. that that's that's a way to segregate divisions um and uh, you can your your count is evolving too in terms of power so the more you play with uh, your count uh, the more uh, experience uh, it gets um, and so you, you know that all the counts are unique uh, because you you know you you level up your count uh, the more you play with it so uh, these are like important parts of the gameplay uh, mm-hmm. that yeah that that, that I was uh, noticing I think yeah, sure. Uh, I was going to uh, ask you about that. Cause like like you mentioned, there are different scarcities of cards. So the cards are limited. There are, if I'm not mistaken, rare, so rare and unique cards. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, rare are 100 edition per player per year. Uh, super rare are 10 editions uh, per player per year. And unique, uh, one edition per player per year. Okay, and how do people acquire the cards? So they can acquire cards uh, on the on the primary market. So these are um, you know cards that we sell for the first time, uh, and they can also acquire cards on the marketplace. So these are cards that are sold by uh, existing users. Uh, so we can call it like the second-hand market. Uh, so mm-hmm. they can you know buy them uh, either way. Okay, so you can either buy packs directly from you guys or the the peer to peer because of the and we'll get to this in a second. Correct. The NFT collectible part of this, the digital objects, um, they they're then sold between between users. That's correct. Okay, um, of the monthly users or the amount of users in total, how many um, field teams that uh, uh, using cards that are not 
super scarce? Uh, that's uh, so. R- basically, we have uh, we have um, you know all this uh, f- this three scarcities that are that I just mentioned. So the unique, the mm-hmm. super rare, and the rare card. So uh, these are all blockchain cards. So they live on the blockchain, uh, and uh, and they are you know paying cards. And then we have a fourth scarcity actually, which is common cards. They are free. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not. Uh, I would say that they are not. Um, uh, they are not tradable, and they don't live on the blockchain. Um, it's it's more like a, you can you can see them as kind of onboarding. You can use them during eight game weeks, uh, you know, just to see if you like the game. Uh, and uh, and so roughly like uh, last month we had um, four thousand uh, users with the paying cards, so the blockchain cards, mm-hmm. playing the game actively uh, every week, uh, and uh, a bit more six thousand uh, playing the game uh, with. The, the common card, so the free part of the game. Um, so that that was the breakdown roughly. Okay, and um, are my figures correct that about ninety percent of all your users um, are primarily or also engaged in the fantasy football aspect, leaving about ten percent that are more interested in the collectible side? Yeah, it's it's, it's even a bit higher than that. Uh, the, yeah, the latest, uh, l- last time I, uh, we, we had a look, it was uh, closer to 95% of uh, the users that, you know, have this blockchain cards uh, that engage actively within the game. Um, so, yeah, I- even the one that arrived as, with this collector mindset, um, mm-hmm. they end up playing the game because the game is free to play. Uh, they, you know, they cannot lose the card, they cannot lose money. So it's, it's only upside, right? So you have these cards, why, sure. why not, you know, you know, play them in the game and have fun uh, in the game. So, um, so yeah, this metric is, uh, is, is really high. I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, yeah. um, which uh, for, for so rare are based on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, could you maybe uh, give us a, give our listeners a brief overview of what NFTs are and what they unlock? Yeah. Um, so NFTs are scarce uh, digital assets. Uh, so uh, these are assets that, you know, even if the company or the sport league want to issue more, it's not possible. Uh, so the blockchain secure the, you know, the number of assets that can be issued. So that's the first property, scarcity. Um, the second property is uh, what I call uh, portability, uh, meaning that uh, you can move them as you want uh, in different applications. So if you think about Fortnite or FIFA, whatever game, when you buy something, you cannot move it elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But in our product, if you buy a uh, Lewandowski card and you want to trade it in the marketplace or use it elsewhere, you can move it. And so that's uh, that's something. It's like in the physical world when you know once you you buy a trading card, you can move it and trade it as you want. And we are bringing the same properties in the digital space. Uh, so the first is scarcity. The second one is portability. Um, I think the third one uh, is what what we call uh, true ownership, meaning that nobody can mm-hmm. take uh, these cards away from you. Uh, you. You know, there's plenty of histories uh, in the world of video games where you know the company is dead and the games uh, the game is dead, and then you you lose uh, all these items that you 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 paid for and you engage with emotionally, and then you know they are just gone uh, because they live in you know in the servers of the company. Uh, here you you truly own these assets, so you have the kind of 
what we call private key in the technical jargon, but that's a password, uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to really own them. Uh, and so that, that's something that, uh, that's, that, that's huge. And yeah, maybe the last one is, uh, the trustability. So, um, you know, we, we, we can see all the history, uh, of uh, the trades, uh, of, of these assets. Uh, that's one of the key properties of the blockchain. And, uh, and, um, and, uh, so yeah, um, maybe to sum it up, scarcity, portability, true ownership, um, and, um, and traceability are, are the main, uh, the main features, I would say. Sure. And so because of the digital ownership that these NFTs enable and the portability of it, you not only have the, the utility um, on, on so rare the platform itself, but like you said, you can transport it away um, as an owner to and do with it whatever you please, as, either as a collector or uh, also to sell it on secondary markets. Mm-hmm. Um and there have been some very lofty sales of some no uh, some so rare cards, including I believe the record is a Neymar card. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, I, th- I think the 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 record is, is is probably for Neymar. It was yeah a bit more than sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah, that uh, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, how um, how does the, the the resale of the cards work? So. Um, and what I mean by that is when you enter these licensing agreements with the clubs, mm-hmm. um, and I'm assuming that they have a stake in the subsequent sales, even off of so rare. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. The, to be a bit more precise, they have a stake uh, on the on the stake we take. So if we don't take any stake, they don't have. I mean, it's uh, it's. Uh, you know, it's, but it's, they, um, if we take a commission on the secondary sale, they, they take something mm-hmm. too. That's correct. Okay. So they get a commission on your commission. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and how long, um, like to what extent, uh, or how, how long is this commission yeah. stake? valid for you is it based on number of sales is it based on time is it just forever yeah it's it's based on time uh, and uh, it, it really depends on the agreements we have there's no real rule about it yeah okay so uh just depends on the club that you'd have um then okay That's well, it. you would pay it forward um what about from on, on your end uh, just generally speaking i'm just trying to so one of the big things right now in the NFT space uh, is the sale and auction of digital works of art. Uh, um, you, you mean the, the main trends that we observe uh, in the NFT space in general? In general, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, it's like some of the, yeah. uh, some crypto, whether it's crypto kitties or I believe uh, there was a, uh, an art collective hashtags that yeah. uh, made quite a few headlines last week. Yeah. Um, and, so I'm just thinking about that in terms of works of art. So like an original Picasso, for lack of a better word, in the um, in the physical space. So you maybe buy it. And then at some point, after so many purchases and sales, the original artist would no longer have mm. uh, get a cut. Yep. When does when does that stop for you guys or does it? Is it just something that you are basically baked in? So every sale of this thing from this point until the end of time, like you get a commission or like how does that, how do these models work? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's exactly, uh, how it works. And I think, so you mentioned art, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's huge for artists because, uh, because for the first time, 
you know, they can get a cut on the value they created, not only on the initial sale, but uh, all the subsequent sales, which is something they don't have today on the physical space. And, uh, and so that's why like crypto art is, is taking off, um, you know, so, uh, so strongly, uh, uh, alongside, uh, you know, blockchain gaming and blockchain collectibles. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a huge, uh, huge value proposition, uh, of the technology. And, uh, like, like you just mentioned, the sales are absolutely exploding. People are taking note and not only people, but also professional investors. And they have also gotten involved in so rare collectibles. How do you, how do you see that? How do you, how do you feel about these, these actors kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, driving up prices? I guess it's good for business. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy question because at the end of the day, we are building a game for millions of people yeah. and it's, you know, it's for people, right? So not for, for, for investors. Uh, but, um, that being said, I mean, we, 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 our goal is also to, you know, to create a cult brand and, and brand that's going to last for decades. Uh, and if you manage to do so, for sure, you're going to attract interest for, for, from people because, because they want, they just want, they just want it, right? They, 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 they mm-hmm. decide as goals and they believe in the company, they believe in the technology, they believe in the product. And so they want to be in, uh, for us, you know, like, uh, the rules are pretty clear. Uh, you know, you can enter the, the, the game, uh, like the fantasy game if you are, uh, a natural person. So, uh, that's, uh, that's the, that's the rule. But then the thing that we cannot control is if you are a natural person and you want to go to, to your bank and, you know, take a loan, mm-hmm. or if you want to go to an investment, a blockchain investment fund and, you know, uh, and have the blockchain fund invest in you, like those are things that are outside of our control and, uh, and that, uh, you know, yeah, we, 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 we can truly control it. Sure. Uh, are there any steps that you are taking to, um, to make sure that the, the core players, the core user bases don't feel alienated or um, put at a, at a disadvantage for these games? Yeah, of course. So I think that, um, you know, it's um, part of our, our job is, is to, to create uh, a fun place for everyone, like for all budgets and for, for them to have fun. Um, you need to have enterprises that are um, for, for all budgets uh, and, uh, and you need to have a progression uh, uh, as a manager that, that where, where you have fun so uh we we are we are we are you know working on ways to have um um you know more um more diverse prices because with all this engagement and enthusiasm around the product like the prices are quite high at the moment uh and uh so we are thinking about ways um to have you know prices for everyone i would say With the, the the skyrocketing prices, generally speaking, of, of cryptocurrencies, um, have you noticed that, or are you worried, concerned at all about those prices possibly precluding or keeping like a, a large segment of your users from from actually taking part? Uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's a very good question. I mean. Uh, you know, in the very early days, uh, you know, most of the user base were blockchain gamers. So then people that, you know, who, uh, who on crypto and, uh, and were playing the, you know, the, the early crypto games. Um, but 
Now, I think like, uh, you know, more than 80% of our audience, uh, maybe they, they, they heard about blockchain and they, they heard about the technology, but they don't own crypto. They think in terms of euros, uh, and that's, you know, cryptocurrency when they look at the prices. Uh, and so, um, and so at the end of the day, the fluctuation of the cryptocurrencies, it's not of a big of, uh, impact on them. Um, mm-hmm. maybe for, you know, small subset of the community, they, they can compare the fact that yes, the cryptocurrencies are rising, and so are solar cards going to rise as much as another cryptocurrency, uh, and having this kind of creation. But uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's I think it's uh, um, it's it's for for a small part of the community. Uh, another question I wanted to ask you is: there are, uh, to my knowledge, no other fantasy football games in uh in the nft space like yours there are some other uh, in the u.s at least a couple of other businesses uh, memorabilia shops um that do kind of they do provide these digital assets in the similar space one of them being top shots yep. for the nba um which uh if you don't know they basically make nft video highlights that you can collect and sell sell yep. also in the secondary market um, and I read, uh, like, according to Forbes, uh, the the sales of on the secondary market of the car of the videos almost outnumber two to one the number of revenue, the amount of revenue generated from packs, sales of packs of, yep. of videos and cards. Is that a similar situation uh, to so rare? Um, so yeah, at, at the moment, it's a uh, it's a it's a more uh, balanced. It's a fifty fifty for us. Uh, mm-hmm. for the last couple of months, it has been like, uh, 50%, uh, on the primary market and, and 50 on the secondary market. <laughs> All right. Well, Nicholas, uh, before I let you get out of here, I had a couple of, uh, questions I wanted to ask you from a very micro level. I wanted to zoom out as it were, uh, about the crypto space and NFT space in general. Yeah. Um, one of them is so, so rare, as we mentioned earlier, was founded in 2018, essentially on the heels of the latest Bitcoin crash in 2017 mm-hmm. prices peaked and then they dropped. Um, NFTs are not necessarily hinged or they aren't hinged to Ethereum. Um, so I'm just curious what, how did the, the, maybe the performance of black of Bitcoin at the time impact your choice for the so rare, uh, NFT? You mean, um, uh, you mean the choice of the blockchain? So, um, why, you know? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so f- for us, it was, uh, it, it was more like about, uh, the fit, uh, between, uh, you know, the, the blockchain, like, uh, the Bitcoin or the Ethereum blockchain and our product and our vision and, uh, the the non fungible token so the standard the, the early standard came out with crypto kitties uh on the ethereum blockchain and so for us it was uh you know an early um, an obvious fit to to go on this chain uh mm-hmm. rather than you know going on on bitcoin uh well there's more limitations for the, the kind of use case that uh that we uh we are doing so yeah it, it was more a question of uh, fit between the technology and the product uh because yeah it was not really a question of price uh, of the of the underlying crypto asset what are some of the things that ethereum can do that maybe other cryptocurrencies cannot 
Um, so yeah, it's the programmability uh, of what you know what we call the smart contracts uh, that is uh, that is very flexible and interesting. So for 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 example, we can say that you know we're gonna issue 100 uh, uh, editions uh, of Lionel Messi for this year uh, for mm -hmm. this kind of scarcity. So you know th this kind of uh, of flexibility of programmability is uh, is you know is, is something that is uh, rooted in uh, its Blockchain and that is uh, that is really interesting for the kind of use cases that we are developing. And uh, one last thing: so you, you've only been around for a couple of years. Uh, things are looking onward and upward. Growth is is looking great for you guys. Where do you where do you see this going in five years? Yeah, so I think the the long term vision is to to create an entertainment giant to create this place where. Um, you know, you hang out with your friends, uh, you, you have fun in your friends, uh, with your friends and you, you engage with, uh, with a, you know, cult count and a cult brand. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, to achieve that, the, the first step is uh, to create a, a fantasy football leader. The second step is maybe to have, you know, all this, uh, side games and applications, uh, build around us. So having, uh, usage value that is not limited to one fantasy game, but to, many different fantasy, um, games that are fantasy or not. And then uh, something that's really interesting for us is maybe to add kind of media components so that maybe if you have Lionel Messi uh, in your lineup and he scores goal, uh, you see uh, near real time the goal uh, of Lionel Messi or the assist or, you know, any uh, decisive action. So those are the kind of, um, of things that we, we are currently uh, looking at and that we can integrate in the medium term. Do you, do you see a, a future in which uh, SoRare kind of maybe uh, branches out to not only cards but maybe video highlights as well, a la Top Shots? Um, it's 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 definitely a very interesting model that they have. Um, at the moment, it's not really the product direction you know that 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 mm. that, that we have. That's more around you know cards. Uh, uh, what's for sure is that we're going to develop uh, more uh, limited edition cards with different designs, different aspects. Um, it's not totally um, outside of um, uh, of the possibilities that we, you know, we ha we have some video content, uh, which is not you know part of the current priorities. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting. All right. Nicholas, thank you so much for this fascinating talk uh, about so rare NFTs and cryptos and all of this brave new world stuff. <laughs> I wish you all the best. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully we can catch up one day. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for your time. It was a really cool conversation. All right. Take care. Take care and goodbye.